This is Alyssa Olenek of Little List Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. This is an episode that I'm really excited about because I think it's this conversation that we've had a lot in season one and we've had in the past, specifically with women, but we are um, interviewing Dan Feldman. Is that how you say your last name? I should have asked you beforehand. I want to make sure today. Um, I should clarify that beforehand. And I was so excited when I came across Dan's page, and I really just came across you in the last six months or so, but I was really excited because he's doing work that I think is so incredibly important in our industry. And he's having those exact same conversations that you see a lot of the like the women in the industry that are trying to challenge and change the norms, but doing that for men, because that's also a conversation that is needed to be had and or often gets neglected and ignored because maybe men aren't as comfortable talking about those things. And Dan's challenging that with his work. And it's super exciting because he's also an athlete. You're also an, an RD, you have a master's degree or CPT, like you have all the credentials, but you're also blending that so perfectly with body image and evidence-based nutrition and like tying those things together rather than looking at them in isolation. So Dan's a super smart guy. His content is amazing and his message is super powerful. So I also want to highlight today before this starts, if you are a lady listening to this podcast, do not tune out because the information in this today is going to apply to the men in your life who maybe struggle with these things. I know personally in my life, the men that I have close relationships with actually have worse relationships with food than I do and have had growing up. And I think that that is a product of that conversation being ignored. So I don't want you to shy away from this podcast today. And if anything, send it to the men in your life, because I think Dan's message is really, really powerful. And I say this because we have 98% female listeners, but I want this message to be (laughs) spread. So Dan, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited for this interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. We're really excited to, um, I was intrigued because we have a form that our guests fill out to get to know uh, them a little bit better. And you mentioned that you originally wanted to be a musician and I I was really intrigued by that. And I would love to hear how that played a role in your journey Um, and just really describing your whole messy middle uh, transformation as we like to call on this podcast. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you my whole kind of spiel and I'll, and I'll give it all. To yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It's a whole it's a whole thing. So don't no um, need to be short winded. Yeah. Just let it all out. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So yeah, so uh, kind of thinking back, I had weight issues probably as lo- as young as eight years old. I, I think you know mm-hmm. around then I I started to be self conscious of my weight, I, and I do think I around that time, probably struggled with some like overeating and whatnot and uh, was was probably at a higher weight than would have been ideal for me. And, and you know, pediatricians, I remember kind of saying that as well. So mm-hmm. I did struggle with my weight early on. And even, you know, as young as, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old, when I did kind of struggle with my weight, I, I did struggle with uh, disordered eating, disordered eating patterns and, and doing pretty unhealthy things like, you know, trying to not eat for the whole day or, or, you know, overheating and trying to compensate for that, you know, really uh, pretty, uh, you know, like I said, disordered eating behaviors, even at that young age. And, you know, even, you know, as the kind of years went on, probably by age 13 or so, from an objective standpoint, I, 
I guess, just grew into my weight or whatever. And then kind of looking at pictures, you know, by the time I was 13, 14 years old, I probably was not overweight. You wouldn't look at me and, and mm-hmm. say that, that I was overweight. I, I looked like a, a quote unquote normal teenager by the time I was 13, 14, mm-hmm. but the thought that I had to lose weight, kind of that narrative never really left me. You know, I, I didn't really mm-hmm. see myself as someone that was a, a normal body weight or, or someone that, that didn't need to be losing weight. So really uh, from that early age, you know, of eight, nine, 10 years old for years and years, of, uh, I was just thinking about how I needed to lose weight and kind of trying to lose weight, trying different methods, like always on a diet, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it really impacted me. And, you know, just, just kind of thinking about that time, you know, one experience that I pretty vividly remember when I was 13 uh, was health class, you know, just kind of, you know, middle school health class, we were talking about eating disorders bulimia, anorexia, that kind of stuff. And I remember my health teacher uh, saying that these issues pretty much only affect women. You know, she Mm -hmm. said that uh, for men who do competitive wrestling, you know, who have to to, um, stay in a particular weight class, you know, for them, they could struggle with with, uh, eating disorder, disordered eating, but otherwise it's only a, a female thing. You know, and, and meanwhile, at this time, I was 13 years old, um, very impressionable young man, and I was struggling yeah. with these kind of things. And um, I, I just, I just really remember that kind of uh, sticking out at around that time. Uh, also, kind of around that time, tying into all of this, I had low self-esteem. You know, teenager mm-hmm. low self-esteem, not super uncommon, but you know, I struggled with that. Struggled with, um, you know, talking to women, which you know, kind of the, the body image thing certainly played a role in that. And, you know, you mentioned uh, music, uh, probably around 14 years old, I decided that I wanted to be really, really good at playing guitar. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I had low self-confidence and, and I thought it would impress uh, girls and whatever. And, you know, with everything I was struggling with, I just really, really wanted to be good at something and just guitar yeah. just seemed really cool. So, um, the summer of 2008, I just played guitar all the time. I, I started playing six, seven hours a day and, and um, pretty quickly got quite good at guitar and, and um, you know, through high school, ninth grade, 10th grade, uh, became known as the, the guy that, from the kind of the awkward, weird uh, guy that I saw myself as in middle school and high school, I became the guy that was really good at guitar. The, the guitar guy and and mm-hmm. I, I kind of really um really sort of I don't know if hid behind that is the word but but just uh you know I really embraced that and mm-hmm. um put a lot of my self-worth looking back into my guitar skills so you know if I had a performance coming up I would get really bad stage fright because I would think probably subconsciously if I didn't perform well that would impact my identity. So, so my identity kind of, um, you know, became tied to my ability to play guitar. Uh, and, you know, throughout this time, I was still struggling with disordered eating, still kind of trying every day to, to lose weight in some way. I wanted to get mm-hmm. that six pack that I'd see on like ads and whatever. So mm-hmm. this was kind of all uh, happening in high school. Um, so, you know, moving on to college, it, it, I decided not to uh, pursue music as a career. You know, originally mm-hmm. I wanted to, I was gonna go to a conservatory, but um, 
I was playing so much guitar that it, it just became not really fun anymore. Like I had to audition for these schools and it just, it just wasn't really fun. So uh, went into college, still had this kind of disordered eating, you know, body image issues and thinking about what I wanted to do. I figured that nutrition might be a good route because, you know, trying to become a musician, trying to make a living as a musician, if you're not going to be a music teacher is very difficult. Um, but, you know, I saw nutrition. It was something I got really into. I was obsessed with probably to an unhealthy degree, but I was obsessed with it and it seemed just to make sense. So my freshman year of college, I decided on dietetics to ultimately become a registered dietitian with the goal of wanting to help people who, you know, struggled with what I've been through or what I was going through at that time. So that brings me to freshman year of college. Uh, around that time, I believe at the beginning of that year, I was around 150 pounds and, and I'm only five foot four. I was five foot four when I started college. I'm still five foot four. I'm a little <laughs> dude, uh, but you know, about 150 pounds and uh, it's probably a normal looking guy by all intents and purposes, uh, you know, broad guy, but looked pretty normal, uh, really restricted my food that year, freshman year of college. And probably by March of 2013, I got down to like 120 pounds. Which, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I have pictures of myself at that time on my Instagram, which, you know, even though my BMI was really normal, like, you look at me and I, I did not look healthy. I was, you know, yeah. pale and, and just skin and bones and, and it was not a good time. And, you know, what was crazy about that was that I remember at that time looking in the mirror and still thinking I had weight to lose uh, yeah. because I didn't have a six pack, mm -hmm. um, which... It sounds crazy now, but at the time, I, I just figured I have I should lose body fat until I have a six pack. That's how mm -hmm. you're supposed to do it. And then once I have a six pack, I can quote unquote bulk and try to gain muscle. Um, you know, so I was still dealing with that. Over the next few years, I was still kind of I started to get into weightlifting, you know, like a, a resistance training a bit, but um, I still was always trying to, to cut, as they say, you know, trying to, mm -hmm. trying to lose that last few pounds so I could get shredded and then bulk. That was just sort of my mentality and just kind of have that cycle, cyclical dieting. I would try to restrict my calories. I'd end up overeating and, and restrict overeating. So, you know, my weight crept back up to a, a more healthy 140 pounds and I looked mm -hmm. a little bit more healthy, but I was still, you know, kind of in that, that cyclical restricting and, and, um, you know, overeating and restricting and making yeah. pretty mediocre progress in the gym. And that didn't really change, I would say until, uh, 2017. So, you know, did four years of undergrad, went right into master's degree in human nutrition. And in 2017, I, uh, squatting, I, I had some kind of weird leg injury that took a really long time to heal. Um, and, while I was kind of dealing with that, I don't know exactly what clicked, uh, but some part of me decided, you know, maybe if I increase the calories that I'm eating and, and work my way into a quote unquote bulk, maybe, maybe uh, that would be beneficial. And mm -hmm. in 2017, I modestly increased my calories to not be trying to lose weight and everything got better. Uh, yeah. you know, my, my lifts in the gym like, like, uh, you know, all of the progress that I had lost with that injury came back like that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, added another like 
80 pounds on my deadlift within like a few months. Like everything kind of came back. And, you know, over the, the following months, I found that I became more interested in how I was performing in the gym with powerlifting specifically as my numbers kind of started to get better. I was fueling myself properly and less concerned about how I looked. You know, I became mm-hmm. less obsessed with that. And with that, you know, my body image improved. I, you know, just, just became less focused on the external and more focused on just getting better at the gym. So, um, you know, from there, I just got really into powerlifting, stopped trying to lose weight. And through 2018, kind of continued along that path, uh, had my first powerlifting meet at the end of 2018, um, competed a couple more times in 2019. And, in so, and, and in that time, I also completed my master's degree and, and got my RD, uh, mm. in 2019. And, and that pretty much brings me to where I am today, you know, yeah. um, body image is a lot better. I don't really worry about trying to cut. I, I haven't tried to, to, to quote unquote cut or lose weight since then. I have not put myself in a calorie deficit and I look objectively better you know, just yeah. like gaining more muscle and, and, and focusing on performance. So again, that was a big spiel, but that kind of brings me to yeah. where I am now. No, no. I, I want to thank you for sharing all of that because I know so many listeners can relate, uh, whether they are men or women, but I, I want to comment that, that, um, you know, that health instructor saying that, oh, well, this doesn't happen to men. I mean, I, that must've felt so isolating and, we know that that's not true, you know, uh, now, but of course, when you're young and an adult is telling you this thing, you're, you know, supposed to believe it. And I just can only imagine that that felt terrible and, and felt really isolating. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I'm so glad you're in a place now that you are not only feeling better yourself, but you are now outwardly helping other people achieve that same satisfaction that you have now with yourself and your body. So, and I was going to say, I'm just going to add in here before this, but I want to highlight this because I think it's important. One, I, yeah, same Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know my brother experienced a lot more stuff with, he was the same way where he was just a little chubbier when he was younger and he felt a lot of shame for it and he was really embarrassed. And I didn't realize how much that affected him until we got older. Right. And he started to come to me for nutrition and diet and fitness advice. And he's finally come over that hump where he's trying to stop. He was just always doing, trying to cut, right? Like he was just always trying to cut. And I think that like, it's so funny that you share the, those parts of your journey of being younger and then how you felt and how that drove you to get a degree in human nutrition and do the things you're doing. And I think like, especially in the nutrition field, a lot of women go into that field because a lot of women experience disordered eating and then they go into that field to try to fix themselves or fix other people with themselves. And I think it's, I, I just love the parallels to that because it shows that it's not like a, and it, it circles back to what you experienced as a, as a kid is that it's not a female thing. It's a human thing. It's a very normal human th- experience that you have, but it gets the whole entire conversation. Like I watched that <clears throat> in my own family and even like with other people close to me, like for, for men, that just conversation was never, ever had, but you lived the same experience as so many of us had. And it drove you to get to the same endpoint that so many people are at because of that. I think that's a really important parallel here that I saw that because you hear that same story all the time, right? Like, oh, I struggled with eating. So I wanted to become a nutritionist or an RD or get an exercise or whatever it was so I could help others. But indirectly, you end up almost kind of helping yourself along the way. So I thought that was, that was really, really great. And, um, 
So building off that then though, like everything you just said and, you know, keep diverting that towards the male population. So as a man and everything that you've experienced in the work that you do, how do you find the current body standards of beauty and the cultural like informed beliefs around that for men? Cause you've said you've stopped cutting <clears throat> and I know I'm so sorry. And I know that like you have a lot of content. I've been like dowsing cough drops through every podcast episode this week. Um, <laughs> But you have a lot of content too, and you were just saying that you looked objectively better, right? And you have stuff where you tell guys that you're like, no one cares what you look like with your shirt off and like those kind of standards that we forget that are messages coming towards men all the time. So could you speak to that? Yeah, yeah. Very, very good points. And, you know, I, I do think that something that's worth, um, you know, really pointing out is that I'm not trying to say that like men have it as bad or worse than women. I mean, objectively mm -hmm. speaking, society, society is is worse to women, if that makes sense, with regards to yeah, body absolutely. image ideals and, and um, women have it worse. Like it's just just uh, the standards that, that women have to um, ad adhere to. It, it's just it's just a lot more difficult. But I do think that, you know, it, it is good that uh, conversations are being had, you know, for the female population about these issues about, about body image and, and about disordered eating. It's terrific. I don't think that those same conversations are necessarily being had among men. And no, exactly. it's, it's something that, that, that should be had, especially, you know, with sort of the fitness industry and with uh, social media being as, as big as it is, you know, we see so, so much with men that's, that's more tailored towards having big muscles and, and being jacked and being cut and, a lot of the the images that we see are often people who may be photoshopped or they may be, you know, taking drugs and 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 a lot of that kind of gets lost and I think that you know, you know, for me a lot of what kind of caused me to go down the not so good path was um, you know, subtle imaging. It's not like people are directly telling me necessarily that I have to look a certain way, but it's just, you know, ads on TV where where the big muscular guy is is getting the women or, or male superheroes who all have that same body structure or just, just kind of subtle messaging like that. Um, you know, I remember, uh, a lot of it would, was commercials drawing up for different like fitness, uh, equipment, like be it like the Bowflex or the ab lounge. I remember they would have that classic, um, male model with, with just the perfect mm -hmm. abs and, and just that kind of stuff that can really impact an impressionable, uh, young man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, 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 it really does, it really does have an effect. And, and, you know, I've found whenever I've, I've posted about male body image, I'll get DMs from, from, you know, women who talk about it either with themselves or, or guys they know, but a lot of, a lot of men will, will DM me and say, Hey, like, I, I totally relate to this. Like I, I've been through very much the same kind of thing, struggling with body image. And that's just, I, I think it's just not something that's talked about. So, you know, you mentioned sort of, you know, going through stuff to help other people. And, and that's just kind of what I'm trying to do uh, mm -hmm. to some extent on social media is just to tell people like, Hey, I'm a guy and I went through all of this and, and mm -hmm. just, just to kind of show like, Hey, this happens to guys too. So, so let's kind of, you know, include uh, people of all genders and, and just all people in, in this conversation of, you know, of just trying to promote potty positive body image, you know, and, and just kind of being all inclusive in that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about this a little on my page and I got a lot of positive response when I do this, but my significant other Regis, he has lost over a hundred pounds. And I, from, we've been dating for about four years now and I've had to like 
really challenge a lot of his beliefs in the ways he was eating and feeding himself, even though he's educated. And I can see some of that stuff that he's struggled with, but it changed my views entirely on everything with men and weight loss and body image and fitness and sport because I was watching it hands-on with him. And I think about all those messages and narratives the guys have about how they feel like they have to feel. And I was like, he, I mean, he was 50 pounds every year when we first started dating versus now. And I'm like, I don't love him any different, more or less. Like I would have never, like that never phased me, but to so many guys, they find that like they need to be that shirtless ripped Jack dude. And like, none of those things were important when it came down to the end of the day. And like, I think for a lot of dudes, it comes down to being attractive and like, sometimes like that drives it. Right. And I was like, I loved him no more or less either way. Like I started dating him when he looked completely different than he did now. He also had hair down his back and a beard down his chest. And then now he's buzzed and like, and it doesn't change any of that, but it changed my, even my narrative and the way that I viewed men. And then like hearing my brother's struggles with it growing up, like it, it, it really shook it up for me. Cause I was like, like I obviously uh, cater towards women more, but I think it's such a secret secret thing that they hold on themselves because it's probably mm-hmm. like do you feel that it's because it feels like it's like not masculine to talk about it and struggle with those things yeah yeah, yeah. actually as you were talking I wanted to bring that up sort of the, mm-hmm. the kind of being a man you know and, and, mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're kind of taught covertly or subtly that that we should really not show emotion you know kind of stoicism like be be strong be be you know mm-hmm. you know don't let your emotions get to you just just be strong and and i feel like that kind of messaging would sort of cause men or at least it did for me you know i could i can't speak mm-hmm. for all men i can speak to my yeah. personal experience i think that that kind of plays a role in not wanting to share this kind of stuff because it's yeah it's very vulnerable to to mm-hmm. just kind of tell people that you struggled with this and that you struggled with your own thoughts and with your own behaviors and, and your own control over your life it's it's you know as men we want to look as as though we're tough you know and that, and that we can handle things and 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 a lot of that ties into for for heterosexual men at least uh, being yeah. attractive to the opposite sex to being mm-hmm. attractive to women that you know i probably don't have to tell you that it's very important for heterosexual men to be attractive to women that's a big <laughs> yeah. that's a big yeah. um, i care about when you're a teenager very, basically yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's and i'm in my 20s and it's it's still you know, all it's, you care about a, yeah yeah it's a it's a big priority for for um men who are heterosexual so yeah which i can it's just my experience i'm just speaking to my experience so a lot of that ties into that as well you know wanting to impress women and at least what we're taught in the media from from movies from just you know from social media is that you know you have to you should look a certain way to be attractive to women you know mm-hmm. and and that along with being manly and and you know being tough and and not dealing with these vulnerable emotional issues uh you know i i think that that can have a pretty substantial impact on a lot of young men or at least it did for me you know do you feel like that has turned into people trying to basically like masculinize like diet culture i guess more or less like when you think like the fasting bros or like it's like trendier for dudes to like intermittent fast or do like maybe keto or carnivore like these very extremes that are like I mean, women do these too, obviously, but they're, they can be like twisted in a masculine way. You know what I mean? Where like, it's more like bro, tough, like skulls on your mug when you're putting butter on it. Like kind of like way where it's like, you're doing the same things that we like kind of like see women do. And we're like, Hmm, you should, you know what I mean? But they're, they're tough about it and it's, it's masculinized. So it's safer. You know what I mean? Like as a safer way to express those things. Um, without the the criticism and feedback of you not being tough with it, right? Because it's almost become popular in those circles. 
yeah, yeah, kind of having those more restrictive uh, regimens of just just kind of suffering and and just having things be really hard uh, that definitely mm-hmm. can play a factor. You know, I, and I definitely think that a lot of you know other dietary approaches that are more focused on you know intuition and really you know think, things such as intuitive eating or you know you know uh, health at every size or just just being more comfortable with who you are like those kind of dietary approaches and again i, I don't mm-hmm. you know i don't want to dichotomize everything like that because no. you know they, they're that, that's a whole whole different topic on it but it's a softer itself, approach but, yeah exactly yeah. and i think that those approaches are, are at, at least from my vantage point it seems like they're often more targeted towards women or, or at least mm-hmm. they're presented that way not that they're no, necessarily they are. meant yeah. to be that way but you know, I, I mean, generally, when I do see practitioners talking about those approaches, they do happen to be women. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, and, and kind of those, those approaches are, are maybe less popular among men. So yeah. I definitely think there's that. They've been pinkified a little bit too. So like, that's not wrong in thinking that, like, yeah. if you could, you're a man consuming that content, you're like, oh, this isn't for me. Like, it's very easy to think that too, in the way it's presented. So then there's nothing wrong with that when they're catering women, but like, it, it is, again, it comes back to that softness of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'd love to um, broaden the conversation to the topic of, of personal value because it's something you mentioned in your form and in your story, um, you know, putting your self-worth in being the best musician or putting your self-worth in a, a body aesthetic, right? And um, we've talked about it before on this, this podcast in our own stories about how it seems to be that sometimes we hold our self-worth in, in the wrong things or even just one singular thing when we as humans are so you know, multifaceted. Um, can you talk a bit about how personal value, self-worth or enoughness contributes to the body image problems that are so pervasive in, in men and in women? Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, it is one of those things where a lot of us, you know, subconsciously kind of tie our body aesthetic to our value as a person, you know, and maybe, maybe that comes from just subtle messaging, you know, or, you know, in the case of men wanting to look more attractive towards women, because, you know, as a man, a big part of, of sort of our, or or at least for me, like a a big part of how we may derive our self-worth would be how attractive we feel that we are to women, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that that is a pretty big factor and something that a lot of people, are aware of on a visceral level. Like when I have talked about it on my social media page, you know, your, your self-worth and, and how that, that doesn't tie to, to how you look. I get a lot of f- feedback and, and positive response from that because people can really uh, relate to that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us have really been there either with, with how we look or, or wanting to lose weight so that we can feel better about ourselves. Like how many people say that? Like, so that's yeah. such a huge thing we hear. Even the generic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or even you know, and and I, I think a lot of us fall into that trap too when it comes to other areas of life. Or I know I have. Like when it came to when I got more focused on lifting, there was a part of me that felt like, oh, like you know, if I just hit all these PRs and I can, you know, squat yeah. however many times my body weight or whatever, I'll I'll feel more valuable as a person, you know. Or if I can make a certain amount of money in my business, like I can feel more better as a person and, and feel more valuable. And, and it, it's something that is probably 
pervasive even a bit beyond nutrition and fitness and just you know how we look at ourselves and how we find self-worth and it's something that I still struggle with to to this day you know when I Mm. when I get very invested in things because I you know I like working I like being productive Mm -hmm. I like creating things you know and it's very easy for me to tie that into my self-worth so that if I have Mm -hmm. a day where maybe I'm sick or, or just feeling lazy or whatever and maybe I don't do everything I wanted to do it definitely you know I I sort of feel like less worthy somehow it's, it's this yeah, no. weird <laughs> I'm a workaholic yeah. you're talking you were preaching <laughs> that's something I'm really challenged in graduate school where you're like you are not a crap human for not working seven days a week like that is a not a normal response but it 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 is pervasive in so much of our culture and all the things, but then when it manifests in our body image, it feels like it just like makes it, it's just its own different pocket of evil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's, uh, it's really its own animal. And, you know, for a lot of us, you know, as I was mentioning, we don't really realize it, you know, unless someone really directly points it out to us. Like for me, I didn't like when I was, I didn't even really realize I was doing that until years later, sort of looking back. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really judged my value as a person depending on how I thought I looked that day or how low my weight was, you know, and, and um, you know, and it's tough because it really affects how we approach life, you know, in mm-hmm. the moment, but we may not realize it's actually occurring until much later. Yeah, Absolutely. So can you, I mean, I guess building on that thing, can you compare and contrast what unhealthy and unhealthy dialogues and personal narratives with body image look like? And I know this is obviously going to be different for every single person, but is there, can you speak to that and like what that might look like? Because I think you even just said there, like you didn't recognize some of the stuff you were doing until years later. And I think we all, I never, you know, like I personally didn't struggle as much as maybe like other women do, but there was definitely thoughts that I had that I look back to my early twenties and I was like, what the hell were you thinking when you were thinking that? But I never at the time even thought twice about it, it being healthier and healthy. It just was a, a thought that I was having that I just thought was the, the norm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and honestly, it's sort of tough to really kind of draw a really specific line as to what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And, yeah. Right. Um, sort of, as, as you were alluding to, it does sort of depend on the person, right? Like, like bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding, for example, like, you know, you, for that you're striving for, for, to be basically as lean as humanly possible, kind of st- semi starving yeah. yourself to achieve a particular look. Um, now, am I going to just, you know, crap on competitive body? Like, like, no, you know, it, it so, you know, we can kind of, get some general ideas as to what may be, you know, maladaptive and what may be helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it, so, so just, you know, for some examples, I mean, generally speaking, really getting back to what I was just talking about. Yeah. It's, it's really, in my opinion, when your value as a person, when your self-worth starts to get tied into things, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, that, that, is kind of where, you know, the line can be drawn because, you know, in my opinion, there isn't necessarily anything wrong with wanting to lose body fat to achieve a personal, a a specific aesthetic, in my opinion, you know, other people might differ than that that, opinion, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and I, I like that you said that though, cause that's a conversation I think a lot of clients are afraid to even ask about because they hear people saying that they can't have that. And I like that line of like, well, where's the value and worth in it? And you do a body weight based sport, right? And I'm starting to do a body weight based sport. And so like, I can look at my weight very objectively and knowing where I'm at, but like, 
it doesn't define me, right? I can always go up a weight class or, you know what I mean? Like if I need to, but I think people, I'd like that. I like that line of that. But anyway, continue with what you're saying. I like, I just like, I really wanted to highlight that because I think that's important because I think a lot of people are afraid to just even ask that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think really, yeah, I, th- I think it really just comes down to, is your self-worth being affected by this? Because, you know, people want to lose weight, you know, definitely people who uh, have, classified, you know, obesity can, can generally improve their health by losing weight. Again, some of these can be somewhat controversial statements and, and, but these are sort of my opinions on these things. Um, but does that, but does losing weight for someone that has obesity, does losing weight make them a more valuable person? No. You know, does it make them, yeah. Yeah. Does it make them more worthy? No. Right. Uh, for someone that might be of a, of a, 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 a have a body fat percentage that is considered in the quote unquote healthy range, and maybe they mm-hmm. do want to achieve a particular aesthetic, um, again, are they doing it because they want to feel more valuable about themselves or want to feel more worthy? Um, you know, if they are, that might be something to to look into. And, and again, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on the person. It can kind of get kind of messy there, but. Um, you know, on the other hand, if it, is it someone that, oh, I just kind of want to have abs cause I think it'll look cool, but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, doesn't really affect how I view myself as the person, you know, maybe that's fine. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I hate <laughs> as, no, as an RD, sorry, uh, as, as an RD, you know, kind of like a classic thing among RDs is the kind of canned answer when anyone asks you anything is just to say, it depends. Um, yeah, but, no, we yeah. do that all the time too. Yeah, we do. I mean, slogan of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends, you know. So, 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 what, what, what makes things unhealthy or healthy regarding you know body image and, and trying to to change your body composition, or whatever? It depends. But in my opinion, I think it comes down to your your worth as a person. And you know, yeah. there are certain things that people might be doing that will be objectively considered uh, unhealthy, disordered eating. Uh, patterns, disordered eating behaviors, which, which, you know, I won't get into, but, um, you know, that, that would require more of a medical intervention. I mean, that would, would objectively be considered unhealthy. So those are kind of my thoughts. So what you're saying is it's the messy middle where all of this (laughs) lies, which is why you're on our podcast because the conversation is messy, right? And it depends is a completely valid answer, but I think it gets, everything gets blown up more in, 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 fitness where fitness, I guess, intersects with like wellness and health because there's different opinions on different parties where someone who's just working out for general health and movement and wants to feel better, their views and their bodies are going to be very different than the aesthetic based bodybuilder where people are going to be like, that's disordered, but that person might have an incredibly neutral relationship with that. It's just their their sport, right? Like they look at that, they look at those body manipulations the same way I look as moving a barbell from point A to point B. And so I think there's that overlap is where it gets all blurred together, where it all kind of comes and meets in the middle. So I love that. The Messy Middle Podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. 
Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed by what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. Well, and I think um, that's something we talk about on The Messy Middle is that two seemingly contrasting truths can can be held in the, in the same hand. And um, I think one of them that, that some people view is interpreting, you know, having aesthetic goals, but also loving your body for where you are now. And I think some people have a hard time holding those two things together. And I know that that's something that you've stated that you believe in. And um, for people who are maybe having a hard time understanding, could you provide perspective on that and what the process looks like in terms of when you are trying to make changes for your body, but how you can still do that in a, in a place of self-love? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. And it is something that is, you know, fairly contentious among nutrition professionals, among dietitians. I know I uh, made a post about a month ago, basically saying like, hey, you can uh, you can say that that having obesity increases risk for disease, while also saying that, you know, your body weight does not dictate your self worth, or does not dictate, uh, you know, your worthiness as a person, those two yeah. statements are not mutually exclusive. And, and I got some pushback from yeah. people who are saying like, you know, well, like obesity is, is, does not, co- is not correlated or, or does not cause disease whatsoever and, and yada, yada, yada. So, so uh, there's definitely some contention um, there. So I really think, you know, with regard to, you know, how to approach this for, for someone who might be making uh, wanting to make aesthetic changes. Uh, so, so just to kind of clarify, your question is more regarding how someone who someone may want to make sort of aesthetic changes or, or fat loss or whatnot, but also wants to do so in a way that is supportive of a positive body image. Is that yes, kind of correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, you know, it, with that, I think it's very important to be honest with yourself as to why you want to make aesthetic changes, what that means to you, you know, what it would be like to have those changes. And, and if you can sort of quantify that, I think that may be helpful, you know, as opposed to saying, oh, I like, I want to look better. You know, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like looking better is so subjective and our mm-hmm. perceptions of ourselves can be really distorted. Like, like I, like I mentioned, I, I, you know, was, was at an unhealthy place and I looked at myself and thought I was fat. So I think it's very important to have sort of objective parameters. Like, do yeah. you want to weigh however number of pounds and that's your goal? Well, well, why, why is that particular number important to you, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if someone wants to, you know, weigh a particular number, if that's really their main goal, like, okay, like why may that be important to someone? What does that number really mean? You know, if someone wants a visible six pack or something like that, like, okay, like maybe examine a bit about what that means. And also it, it might be worth kind of thinking about how sustainable that is or, or how achievable yeah. that is. 
uh, because different people, particularly like women that might not be a particularly uh, sustainable or ideal goal. Yeah. It's a body fat distribution. So mm-hmm. you know, I really think it just, it's important to go a level deeper and to see why these goals are important. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's for competition and you're like, all right, like I'm, my body image is totally fine. I just want to do this, you know, for competition, that may be fine. If you do want to have a particular aesthetic because you want to look better at the beach or, or you want to look better for the opposite sex or the same sex or, or what have you, you know, that might be fine. But I do think it's worth having a con- either being very honest with y'all, yourself or having a, a, a you know, in-depth conversation with your coach or dietitian or what have you, just, just to kind of get under the why, you know, just, just to kind of make sure that your why is, is in a, in a good place, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely get that. I feel like I've changed my fitness goals so much the last few years and my body's changed so much with that, that like, I, I, in, I think all of us have a relationship with our bodies to some degree, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, right? Like I'm sure like we can all agree with that, but even that, like even where I wasn't even having unhealthy relationships, like I had to keep questioning the why and the identity Mm -hmm. of like a lifter body versus like a runner's body versus like these ideals that we have within these things and like where do we fit within them and then our why between them. And like for me more so it was like losing my identity as a lifter when I started running, which I ended up not losing at all. But I was really, really scared about that and had to ask myself, I'm like, well, why are you upholding the standard instead of just doing the thing that brings you joy in the moment? And like, and I think that happens a lot with like our conversations around body image, especially like because fitness does have body related goals tied to it. And I think people forget that they're allowed to ask themselves why they're doing something rather than just accepting the goals that they're told they're supposed to have from like whatever media they're consuming. Yeah. And I think challenging the metric that you're using is really important too, because I think some people will set a goal, right? Like I, like you said, I want to look better, something general. And then they assign that, you know, I'm going to look better when I hit this number on the scale. And that might not be the truth, right? The truth might be that the weight that you have is, is fine. um, And it's really a composition and you could be the same, you know, 140 pounds either way, but shaped very differently by adding muscle and reducing fat. So I I think sometimes, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I think dance that happened to him, right? Like you ended up doing the reverse of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes we need to question the metrics because I think sometimes we reach for what we think is the easiest metric when um, really maybe it's, it's looking at like uh, measurements, like body circumference measurements uh, rather than a number on the scale and it could be so many different things that, and it really just um yeah I, I just i like the idea of challenging the why and and taking it a step further on why am i choosing the metric like you said and that's a that's a good thing to note so i'll ask you this dan then building on that because i think this is something that a lot of people who come to coaches or nutritionists or rds or whatever struggle with and it's that that being able to objectively view their goals appropriately while knowing that like a scale weight is not necessarily like an end goal weight, but how like your why and all that stuff. Like how do you work with clients on this specifically then? Like how do you go through this whole process with them? Okay. So, you know, the, the first step is, you know, really when I do talk to someone, when I do have a video consult with someone is, is to really dig a deep, uh, dig, a step deeper, even if they did say in their, their kind of pre consultation form, like, Oh, I want to lose weight because of this or that. Like I, it's worth having that conversation as to 
What is it you're looking for? Sort of, I ask all of my clients, okay, you said your goal is for weight loss. Why is that important to you? You know, and just really getting into that first is, is I think really the first step. And just to really, you know, for clients really just to, to have a, a deeper understanding as to, you know, why they want to do things and, and what it is that they're going through and, and what their goal like means in the context of their life, you know, really going that step deeper as opposed to just saying, okay, here are your macros uh, is, is yeah. you know, really important just to sort of keep everything in its context and, um, you know, really just to, you know, encourage, like, you know, I'll encourage my clients just to be like, hey, like, just be completely honest with me. Like, what is it you're looking for? Like, like, why do you want to work with me in particular? And and what is this end goal look like for you? You know, if you lost 20 pounds, what would that look like to your life? Like what, like what would be different? You know, like how, how would your day-to-day life be different? What does that look like to you? So you power lift and that, you know, and so you're involved with that. And so when you, do you work with athletes who also power lift and things like that as well. So how do you change that conversation then with people when it comes to weight class sports? Cause I know that like young enthusiasts will be really excited about like, and they'll want to cut weight, you know what I mean? To compete versus like staying where they're at or just training within their parameters or where they're at. So how do you handle the conversations then around that versus maybe if you do work with maybe more elite people um, where that conversation might change where weight class choices may become more of a risk versus reward of their performance instead of just like going out there after it for the first time ever. So how do you shift that towards sports specific nutrition and that conversation? Yeah. So if someone is not an elite power lifter or they're not looking to break like a state or national record, if someone comes to me and saying, Hey, like I, I really want to compete in this weight class and I want to cut this much, I would very strongly encourage them not to cut weight, particularly like, I, you know, I see a lot of powerlifters where it's like their first powerlifting meet and they want to cut weight to, to have a, a better total or a more competitive total. And I will really strongly encourage them not to do that, not even from a body image standpoint or, or that kind of standpoint, but just, just to be a better lifter. You know, you don't want to be cutting weight if it's your, your first powerlifting meet. You really just want to put up the best total that you possibly can and allow yourself to grow as a lifter, literally grow as a lifter, you know, because with powerlifting, and, and I'm sure you know this, you know, early on, you just kind of have to get better at the lifts, but, but, you know, once you've sort of mastered the lifts, really the way to improve is to gain more muscle, you know, so if you're constantly trying to cut, that really gets in the way of that, so it's really important just to focus on the long term, you know, and if you're not a really elite, and just to, to really, you know, I'll encourage those clients not to cut weight and just to lift at whatever weight they happen to sit at that day and, and, you know, not to let that get in the way of the mean experience. Um, now, you know, if it is a, an elite athlete or, or someone at, at where the weight class really matters, you know, it's just worth having that conversation. Okay. What are the risk versus reward and, and sort of handle that on an individual basis. So, you know, I, I, I would just kind of say like, Hey, like you want to be a power, better power lifter, you know, for the, for the not elite, athletes, I'll say, you know, you want to be a better powerlifter, don't cut. And, and hopefully, you know, that is enough, you know, rather than having to get into the whole, like, oh, why this could be bad for your, 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 your long-term, you know, mental health and body image and whatnot. I, just that alone can be enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I have a powerlifting background and I did a few competitions when I first got into lifting and 
I remember, and it wasn't even from a disordered place at all, but I did a deadlift only meet as like one of my first meets and my body weight was like not that far off. So I just technically like, I didn't really cut. I just like went to, to weigh ins fasted. Um, and I was like slightly off and I remember like jogging around the Pittsburgh airport to cut. And I was like, I could have just lifted heavy and it ended up being fine. Cause it was like trivial at the time. But if I had a coach, they probably would have been like, you could just eat breakfast and lift to higher. Cause it doesn't really matter because it's your first competition, which luckily at the time it was the difference of like a half a pound, which is like urine and sweat basically. But like looking back, I'm like, that was just so silly. Like that wasn't necessary. You could have just shown up and like been well-fed and like called it a day and done probably just as well. So I wanted to highlight that specifically because I do know that some of the people that do consumer content are either Olympic lifters or weightlifters or some like, the, I mean, I'm starting to Olympic weightlift too. So I'm going back now into a weight class sport where I've already talked to my coach about that, where he's like, just keep eating and lifting. We don't, we'll see what happens, which is exactly the advice that I, he should be giving me. So. Absolutely. Um, so I do want to pivot now to talking about your Instagram because mm -hmm. um, you have some like really great stuff. And uh, I, I'm curious as to how you came to be on the platform and kind of what inspired you to, to take a public route with it um, with Instagram. Yeah. So I think I started my professional nutrition Instagram in 20. 17 actually around the time I had that injury and, and started mm -hmm, to change mm -hmm. body image stuff just you know I think at the time I was just like I don't know this is something I really like doing I love lifting and love nutrition and I want to just I have a lot of stuff in my head I just kind of want to get it out there so yeah. you know <laughs> so so at first it was just a lot of like lifting vlogs just me like hey these are my lifts today and just and um you know and then that as I got more into nutrition research and sort of got more, you know, became better at that. So, so my uh, graduate degree really focused on, on learning how to read and interpret nutrition research. So as I kind of got better at that and more interested in that, I realized it was sort of a platform where I could deliver, I, I could, you know, help, you know, other nutrition professionals or just lay people how to, you know, just, just kind of interpret nutrition research for them or kind of mm -hmm. summarize recent studies for them or just uh, explain what, what could be fairly complex nutrition topics to people from uh, uh, evidence-based perspective. You know, that, I know yeah. that's kind of a, a cliche term, but, you know, I do have these, these degrees that, that, and, you know, just to, to really help people get, get, help them get better information, you know, and I found a lot of value in that for one, it, it helped keep me sharp early on to just to ensure that I'm continuing to read research and continuing to hone that skill. Um, so, you know, it really became more of just trying to spread good information. Mm -hmm. And probably in like 2019, I had some stuff uh, shared by Lane Norton and that kind of got me a pretty, uh, got a lot more people to follow me. And then, you know, from that, that, uh, kind of continued to encourage me to keep sharing content and, and just to, to, to really just connect to other people and to, you know, share this thing that I love so much. That's like nutrition, nutrition science, and, and obviously the body image stuff as well. And just to, I don't know, share it with people. Cause I, I love nerding out on this stuff, you know, and I, I want to, to share it and, and people seem to find it useful. So um, yeah, I would just say that that was kind of it. Just, just trying to, to influence people in a positive way and, and connect with people. And, um, yeah, it's kind of just grown from there. 
Yeah, I think Alyssa and I can both relate to that. And um, for those of you guys looking to follow Dan who don't already, it's Power Lifter Dietitian is your handle. Um, and we're going to link that in the show notes as well. So. Isn't it funny how, also I, I got like, I think I hit my 10K because Alan Argon shared one of my posts. Like that's how I finally hit that mark. So <laughs> if you're a bigger page, share the smaller good people stuff because it helps a lot. It, I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, followers doesn't matter, but it does really help a lot when you're trying to get started and and, and get that and get just your message out there because you want to share good science with people and like we need more of that you know there's never enough we need good more good vetted information there. yeah yeah so yeah. we appreciate the work you do because we need as many of you guys out there as, as we can and like specifically i mean like guys out there sharing stuff for guys on top of your scientific like communication and stuff like that it's always very very important so we're big fans if you're not following make sure you are appreciate that <laughs> Dan, is there anything left unsaid that you would like to share with our listeners before we close the show? Honestly, we'll probably sign off and I'll be like, ah, crap, I should have said this, <laughs> this, or that, or the other. But, you know, I, I, think okay. we, I think we covered a lot. I mean, you know, if you are listening to this and you do struggle with body image or, or anything like that, or, or just just know that you're not alone. Like, whatever it is you're going through, like, you're mm-hmm. not alone, you know, like, I, yeah. one thing I, when I was sort of in the depths of my struggles, I, it felt really alone, like, I, I felt very lonely, that just, and I couldn't imagine that other people were dealing with it, but whatever it is you're struggling with, other people are struggling with it right now, other people have struggled with it, and have conquered it, and, and have gotten mm-hmm. over it, and other people have used it to make themselves uh, stronger. So, so um, you know, and with any of this stuff, always definitely, definitely um, reach out, you know, don't, don't keep these things to yourself, you know, and especially if it's something that's a little bit more on the medical side of things, definitely reach out to yeah. the appropriate healthcare professional, but um, talk about it, you know, just, just don't, don't, um, don't try to keep things all cooped up, you know, inside, you know, um, to yeah. just, who, however you can share whatever it is you're going through, I definitely encourage uh, listeners to do that. I think that's important because I think I see that with so many different messages. It doesn't matter what it applies to is how many people come to you and be like, I thought that was just me, or I thought I was the only person who did that or felt that or experienced that or thought that, or, you know, you know, does this or whatever it is. And so this is your friendly reminder that for most things that you're feeling, you probably are not the only one. So don't be afraid to look for help or seek support in whatever way that is. So we love that. So, well, thank you so much, Dan. If you guys aren't, make sure yeah, we'll link everything from him below. Make sure you follow him on social media. Do you have a website as well? Um, I do. It's danfeldmanrd.com, I think. But but I would say Instagram is probably <laughs> Instagram the best place the, I, I thought That's so, the best place but I okay, wanted to great. just confirm. So yeah, Instagram is the best place to follow him. Go, we'll, we'll tag him in the show notes as well. And thank you so much for coming on today, Dan. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you rate, review, download, subscribe, follow Dan, tag us, share with everyone, share with the important men in your life as well, and ladies yes. who probably need to hear this just as much. So thank you so much for everything, Dan. Are you ready to do the official sign off? <laughs> All right, you guys, we want you to live well. Demand better. And stay messy. Perfect. Thank Yay, you so perfect. much, Dan. Woo.